Be yourself. Yeah. yeah. No, Start and nothing video. wrong. Ready, guys? Start that video. Let's unmute the mic. Hey, guys. How are you? Is Instagram ready to go? Do I just press the light button? Or what? Um, anyway, we're starting the show, The Mastermind in Your Pocket, where we talk about... This light's blinking. Should it be blinking? Yes, it should not be blinking. Do I need to touch it? Thank you. Hey, guys, we're starting the show, all uh, Mastermind in Your Pocket, <laughs> where we get experts. We have a panel of experts. Ta-da! And me. Um... And we talk about things that you're concerned about, things that make a difference for you. And we're also coaches and various types of coaches. Um, first of all, Heber, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Heber LeBaron. I'm a certified life coach. I coach individuals in intimacy. And I also coach individuals, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, startup managers. And yeah, that's it. That's what I do. I'm McCall. Um, I'm a functional nutritionist, so a bit different than probably anything else that you've heard of. If you don't know what functional means, talk to me. I get to the root cause of chronic and stubborn symptoms, whether physical, emotional, and teach you how to disappear those for the span of your life. Um, And I also do neuroemotional healing, which gets to the root cause of trauma and stress inside of the brain and inside of your body and help resolve that for good much different than talk therapy or counseling or psychotherapy. Um, so, again, talk to me if you don't, haven't heard of those techniques. I'm Elizabeth Masservi. I'm a certified sign language interpreter, and I coach parents on having joy in their parenting. And I'm Adam Tajani, and host of the Ultra Perform Show and Passion Living with Adam. I do health personal coaching, and business marketing and coaching, where we make sure you take action. We're talking about sex today. Sex, sex, sex. Sex and intimacy. Uh, What our viewpoints are. Why is it so taboo to talk about sex, but it's okay to be sexual in a picture? But don't talk about sex, because I'm not talking about sex. I'm just showing a sexy picture. But that's that's one viewpoint. But we have a lot of viewpoints. A married couple here. Hello. A conservative person. Conservative person <laughs> and a single guy right now. I mean, right now. Too. I just wanted to label me. Okay, so like, okay, okay, pick a label. What do you mean, you people? What? What do you mean by people? You people? I just said, did I say something like you people? Yeah. Or is it married people? Married yeah, people what do you mean married. by people? Two of you. More than one, yeah, plural. Exactly. Not aliens. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean plural. Right. plural. <laughs> but they'll talk about uh, they'll talk whatever they talk about today. That's true. <laughs> It'll be great. So, who did we decide to start first? Heber? Yeah, I'm going to start with um, getting clear on emotional intimacy. So, we've talked before about intimacy, and I wanted to uh, talk about it as though it was like a, uh, like a private space. So um, every person wants intimacy. They yearn for it in, on some level. Um, in my experience, this is what I found. That's what I've read. I think that most people would agree with that. So if you consider intimacy a private space and um, you're, you want to, how do you increase that? That's uh, what I want to talk about. Like how do you go from like wanting intimacy you mean sharing that private space with someone else, right? Well, it, yeah, that's how we interpret it. Like that's it's like almost like a sacred space, mm-hmm. right? For some of us, for some of us, it's not yet. It's still intimate, and uh, we're going to talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I'm trying to build like a metaphor, like it's a, like it's a space, like it's a grove or it's like a nest or something that you would attend to, and mm-hmm. whatever shows up inside of that space is a representation of your commitment to intimacy. So if your intimate space is filled with um, like dirty thoughts or pornography or um, uh, extramarital affairs or anything like that's, that's the space that you're filling. And now that depending on your commitment with whoever you let into that space, they're all it's shared. It becomes a shared space. So 
that's that's kind of the picture around uh, sexuality and intimacy from uh, like a marital marital perspective because you know traditionally we want to keep uh, that space like clean and complete and secure for the other person. Um, and I think that uh, as we're going to talk more about this, like you'll see that there's other things that come into the space. And I think the big point that um, from a, like a coaching perspective, we always coach towards our, what we, what is our intention. And when we're clear on our intention and what we're focusing on, other things don't seem to arise in the space. Um, so in our consciousness. You're getting a little bit conceptual for me. So okay. when you say we coach to an intention and we're talking about emotional intimacy, can you be specific or I, think sure. I don't understand? Absolutely. Can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. I'm going to going to ask, but I'm going to. You just did. If you guys want to uh, have a, leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram, we'll get back to you hopefully on the on the show. Um, if you'd like to call in, you can call in 713-955-0531. I will put it in the comment section. That's 713-955-0531. You can listen to the show there, but we'll also pick up and see if you have a question or comment you'd like to make. And keep it clean, especially today. <laughs> um, sorry. No, that's okay. So... If you were going to focus on intimacy and you were going to create it, like what did it like? What does it look like for you? And you were going to uh, set your intention on that. Um, you would be able to somehow be able to fabricate it linguistically. You'd say, "To me, intimacy looks like this." Like you would write a story about it. Like, does it look like me and my spouse in a room? with each other and nothing, and nothing else. So there's, there, there is, we have a conceptual design to what intimacy is. Based you mean on, like I already have one. Yeah, you already so have You already one. have an ideal or a fairy tale. Okay. That right. You would want to create. And to you, that's fulfilling. Like it would be intimately, intimately fulfilling for you. Okay. So when you say that, what's coming up for me is like, um, since I separated from my husband, uh, now I have my own room. And, like, that is really, like, it's a really important space for me. Like, mm-hmm. I like to keep it clean. I like to have my bed made. You know, I made it pretty, you know, like, peaceful. Mm-hmm. I, I made it, I don't know, is that what you're talking about? I'm still not sure what you're talking about. That's all. Um, so well, maybe I'm going to how she got that from what you're saying. Well, because I'm well, talking about keeping, my, I'm talking space. about keeping like, a space. Alone. Um, right. right. Well, I was talking about a conceptual space, and you're talking about a physical space. Mm-hmm. Like, how, well, but how do you keep your that. bedroom? Well, that's a great point of view, because she's very physical, detailed. She right. She's very detailed. Right. And this isn't a bad thing. And Where I got what you're saying, because I'm very, con, you know, conceptual, energetic. Right. Uh, although, like, I, I don't want to go too, I call it too foo-foo, too far into that. Sure. But it's, it's great because that's perfect. If we were married, we'd be like, well, I just want my space clear. And you're like, well, you left your socks and your clothes all over the place. That's not a clear space. And I'll be like, well, that's not what I mean, honey. You know? That means we're right. Right. Yeah, anyway, right. completely different. So, but, but we all have like this pure sacred intimacy that, that allows us to get closer to other people. And the nature of intimacy is that there are no walls. It's like it is a very pure and sacred space. That's how we think about it in sexuality. And, of course, in the world today, like, there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot, you know, there is pornography. There's extramarital affairs. There's a lot of things that can take you, take your intimacy and and redirect it. When you say extramarital affair, are you talking about the polyamorous? Just being in a marriage could be. Could be. It, it depends on commitment. Or, or, or a what are they called? Mistress or a, sure. All sorts of cheating. But it that. depends on your commitment to intimacy. So I'm not saying it could even be the television being on all night and right. you guys not really even doesn't have, with each other. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be uh, monogamistic, but there is a certain level of like trust and commitment inside of the intimate relationship. Once you share that from what you're committed to. 
it begins to create itself as though you're the only two or five people in the nest. And then you can then you can create outwards. I'm I mean I come I come from a emotional intimacy, okay? Whoa. Um I'm really sorry. Well to be
I love you and we're married, but I've got a date with Becky Sue tonight, you know, it, it's going to affect them. Sure. And I'm using that example. Even as a, as a like when I've dated single moms, it's a fact that you are not ever going to be number one. And that's just how it is. You're going to be number whatever fits down that list, which is okay. But at the same time, you lose a bit of the intimacy unless the, the person, the mom, is really conscious of it and figures it out. Hey, we're going to go do this. Sure. Not. Or, hey, mm-hmm. I put the kids to sleep at 8. Come over after that. Or whatever whatever the story is, right? And I'm being really open about this now, but it's there for sure because you're going to be second to – it could be work. Right? The, Absolutely. The guy, typically, the guy can be the woman too, but the guy works 60 hours and they can fit you in after they do their workout and they do, oh, I don't have time today. How about next Tuesday? Mm-hmm. It's going to be there. Well, I have another practical example too. I just got coaching. Is that, um, that's kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and I was also, uh, what was coming up for me was uh, the investment. Like, it requires an, an, an like we're mm-hmm. talking about intention. It also requires an investment, like an of intentionality, in order to like nurture that emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. that closeness, that connection, as you were saying. And one of the examples. So I just got coaching the other day um, on something in our relationship, and she was basically saying, well, for that topic of conversation, like, do you have a designated time to talk about that? Like, probably no more than once a week, and not while you're distracted, and not while, you know, not like just, oh, hey, by the way, you know, you've got to actually have time and space to have that conversation about that topic, and do five minutes of work on yourself first, so that you're not coming mm-hmm. from make wrong, you're not stressed out, you're not in a hurry, you're not distracted, you're actually present, so there's physical time mm-hmm. together, and like, hey, this is what we're doing, but there's also being prepared to enter in that time without any of the extra, you know, inner chatter, stress, whatever. Great. So that was a good example for me. Incomplete. So what do you do with what gets in the way? How do you identify what's getting in the way of intimacy and how do you actually do something about it? Like, how do you do it? I'd actually ask, if those guys don't mind since you're here, I'd ask, how do you deal with it? That well, we identify it. We have, uh, in our communication, we talk a lot about what we're committed to, um, not just intimacy, just in life. And uh, we are open enough in our communication, I believe, that when things arise, that we just talk about them and, like, really just figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, so I don't know if we have any recent examples. That can... Well, what would you coach for people that do have things in the way? Um if you have things in the way of your intimacy, um, I think a really common example that we face in the world today is pornography. Um, when it comes to intimacy, um, either personal or inside of a relationship, um, just a lot of families are dealing with that right now. I think that... Uh, and it might show up like somebody says the connection just isn't there. Like we show up and the physical part's great or not. But there's no, you can tell when there's something missing emotionally. Right. There, there is a distraction. Like, it's, I don't want to use the word palpable, but um, you're a mom, like, and I'm not insinuating that your family has this issue, but you might, have, your children, you know when they're distracted. You can mm-hmm. sense it. You know when things are taking them away from the family. Right? So when things arise in our our relationship that take away from intimacy, it's really acknowledging it. So can I dive in there? Sure. So I did experience that like for my entire marriage. Um, And um, I just, I was just kind of used to it. Like I never had a checked in Mm -hmm. husband. I never had a husband who was able to be present even for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. I I would have journal entries about that. Like, you know, and um, I guess like after 13 years, I noticed that there was, you know, he wasn't able to be present because, like, it showed up in my journal, but it didn't occur, like, I, I wouldn't have known that was the water I swam in. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm wondering how you'd speak to that or how people would know something or what should they be listening to that's, like, oh, 
That's what's there. Well, so if, if were you satisfied in your sex and, and intimacy? Uh, uh, well, there was never any intimacy as far as, like, I never felt understood. I, I don't remember one time feeling understood until um, June of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, like, a month where we practiced some really specific behaviors, and I was like, oh, my gosh. He can understand me. He can understand where I'm coming from. But never did it happen. And I didn't expect it because it was like, oh, well, I guess that doesn't happen. Mm. I was like, you know. Well, as, you, as you've expressed, there's typically a shift. If you don't know the, the waters you're swimming in, um, as you said, like your environment is um, dangerous. If, if you just grow up in, inside of a dangerous environment, it doesn't occur to you as danger. Right. It occurs to you as just part of life. So until there's actually a shift, I, most people won't get it. Okay. There has to be something um, that alters the space. Yeah. Or, but if you or, feel or, or a commitment. Or, or a commitment, absolutely. I mean, you hear stories all the time about kids that grow up in one environment and they, they just make a choice. I am not committed to this in my life. I mean, I did. I grew up in a really abusive family. Um, none of my older brothers and sisters graduated high school. Wow. And... I was just like, well, that's not for me. I'm going to go graduate high school. It's really simple. It was a really simple choice for me. That was not the environment I grew up in. So, I mean. But if you know something's missing, um, and I think the message of this is like, if you really do paint your ideal, like your fairy tale, like what you're committed to, like what Adam's saying, and then you look at, okay, is that what's showing up now? If you see that it's not, there's actually room to create what you want inside of sex and intimacy. And I think a lot of people don't think that's possible. That's part of what we want to share is that it is. Go ahead. So now I see it as, like, humanly possible. Like, wow, I could actually be with someone who could be emotionally connected. Mm -hmm. And, like, that kind of blows my mind. Very exciting. But um, I guess – I forgot what I was going to say about that. You see it's possible. Yeah, just – I don't know. I've – I don't know. Okay. Well, we're going to go, I mean, we're going to, what, why don't you, we'll go, why don't you, why didn't she lead into what she was going to talk about? Hmm. Are you? Yeah. It, it was I'm just watching that. time. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my topic is what conversations in like inspire constructive and healthy sexuality or discussion about it, especially with our children. Um, and I don't understand. I've always felt this like mystery of like, why is this such a big taboo? Why is this a problem to talk about? Um, and I have very conservative religious beliefs about sexuality and that like it's basically my view is like it's the most beautiful, sacred thing God made. And it really is best within the limits that he set, which I believe are marriage only <laughs> um, between a man and a woman specifically. So that's just I you know, that's my belief. And um, I think that talking about it in a constructive way is, you know, just why not? Why shouldn't we talk about it like openly and mm-hmm. um, like how openly? Well, like if you consider that like it's like sacred. Example, example. Okay. So, well, that's a good question because again, it goes back to, um, you know, I believe it's like really special, right? Like mm-hmm. probably the most special thing in life. And then I don't talk about the most special things in life all the time. So there's that. But with my children, um, I want them to have a view that, like, this is a good thing. And it's best expressed within specific limits. So I start talking to them. Um, there's actually a book by Linda and Richard Iyer called um, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. Mm-hmm. And they have a really specific structure for they picked when their kids turn eight. But when your kids are too young to be really embarrassed but old enough mm-hmm. to understand, mm-hmm. Um, you sit down with them um, and you just really have an open conversation if you're married with you and your spouse there. And Let's get that book. <laughs> it's fantastic, very specific. Yeah. And it goes through, um, anyways. Uh, yeah, and we've done that with three of our kids that are over eight. Um, we sat down with each of them and just really created, like, you know, here's the most beautiful, sacred thing in the world is the power to make families. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, we've been able to have conversations with our kids about it. So my oldest is 15 now, so that's about seven years, right? And just just when it comes up, or like if she has a question, she knows she can come to me and I'll tell her the truth about it. Um, coming from the perspective of this is great and awesome and your friends, when they're joking about it, aren't going to treat it like that way. It's going to be like mm-hmm. a dirty subject. You know, and um, I don't know. It's just 
So basically, we only talk about it when it comes up as a question, or sometimes when we watch a video or a movie, they'll be like, what about this, Mom? And they'll be like, yeah, let's talk about that. They're dealing with a lot of um, sexual variants. Like, lots of people have different sexual orientations now openly in middle school, right? Um, or even gender confusion or um, switching genders. Or, like, there's all this stuff, and we can just talk about it openly without any judgment, given we are coming from a specific context, but it doesn't make other people wrong. It's just like, this is what we believe, and other people believe other stuff. We can be with that, too. So, yeah, that's, that's what I had to say about that. Did you have something to say? Where did gender confusion come from, where did all, yeah, that's all just theoretical. Like Isn't that a constructive conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all I can tell you is yeah, my just, kids deal with kids who are confused about their sexual orientation and gender. That's all I can. But I can tell you that. Wow. We should get somebody on our show that would explain that. That'd be a good show. I've asked for that. It'd be interesting to hear that. But since we're talking about constructive and inspiring mm-hmm. conversations about sexuality, <laughs> well, it, can, it, can, it can be. It's not our conversation. Well, we would just really keep it from an outsider looking in, right? So I don't yeah. know that we have a lot of valid things to say about it. I think it's an acknowledgement to where we are in our culture that that could be that conversation come can come up so liberally because I think that there was a lot. There's like when I was a kid, it was so hush hush that I, mm-hmm. I think it created the confusion or participated in the confusion. Mm-hmm. But I think that. I mean, statistically, you got to think with so many people on the planet, there's got to be so much of that. But now that it's liberated, I think, um, <clears throat> well, we just know what's so. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just, I think it's fascinating. Anyway. How about you, McCall? Um, well, I had a question for you. Excited. What do you think about, you know, um, I think, like, in our home, protecting the space may, has us protect, like, what things in the media or online or jokes or conversation, like we actually protect, we have boundaries around, um, I guess, influencer influences that would be from a different context or from a different like spiritual perspective. So what do you think about, um, like how have you protected your children's eyes and ears and thoughts, you know what I mean? From like the media, because like one thing we've talked a lot about is like, Gosh, the media really screwed up our view of what sexuality was and sexual performance was. And, yeah. you know, so then it's like disappointing because you're like, well, it's not Hollywood, but where do you go to learn about sex? Hollywood, you know, uh, that's yeah. kind of, so how do you have a balance between protecting, but also well, healthy exposure, I guess? That starts with the conversation. So the initial conversation where we literally explain all of the mechanics in that context of, can you believe this incredible thing God has given us to make families? Mm-hmm. And like, and then this happens, and then this happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, in that context, there doesn't need, like, so first of all, there's protecting my kids, but I don't see it as a balancing act. I just protect my kids. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be exposed to stuff. So that's why you keep the open conversation. Mm-hmm. The average age of exposure to pornography, last time I checked, was 11. That means some kids are getting at age four. Mm-hmm. So... It's just going to happen. And that's the conversation you have right along with the sex conversation. Mm-hmm. Is This is not how people sell sex. It's not that it's the most beautiful, mm-hmm. sacred thing in the world, only to be done between two people with no audience, right? right. Like, that's not how the world makes money on it. Wait, no audience? I've been doing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I protect my kids as in whatever's needed. Like, we don't have cable. We, I um, try to manage my, all of our devices have passwords and, like, my 12-year-old, who is super responsible and very open with me in a high trust level, mm-hmm. she has access to passwords on certain devices. And then I just took my phone away from my 15-year-old. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it was a shared family phone, but I found out that she was not controlling herself on basically mm-hmm. um, texting people super late at night. That wasn't pornography, but it was still like, you're not able to act within the bounds that we've set, so now it's time to reduce the choices you have to make until you're ready for that. Why do you think, I've noticed this, and that's great that you're doing that. And like I, when we, uh, when I was raising a child, uh, we had boundaries for it and rules. Why do you think, like I've heard people, well, you're limiting their, their self-expression. You hear that, you're limiting their self-expression. And my point of view is like they're a kid. They, you need to guide them. You can't just go, okay, here's the world. 
but I'm only 12 years old. <laughs> That's too bad. Look, here, let me take you to a porn site. Here, we'll teach you everything. Why is it, that, and I'm exaggerating, of course, but why is it, do you think, that a lot of parents aren't parenting their children and they're just like, oh, it's their self-expression. Yeah. It's how they feel. So I think a better question to ask would be, what's healthiest for the child's development? Is it for us to guide them or for us to throw them into the wilderness? So I'm just going to come for, for a second from my religious background, which is that God created us to have families. And even if he didn't, even if we evolved, we now arise in families, like generally uh, not counting medical or scientific miracles, we arise in families. Okay, why? Because what's best for the child's development, I would argue, is that they are guided and protected until they can go provide for themselves. And when they can, they can express themselves 100% in our household. Like you get to be part of this family, however you express yourself, and that will be fully allowed when you move out and pay your own rent. I think, I think a short answer to your question is that um, we haven't experienced war on the continent here in a long time. I think that when people have a certain level of fear, they just really hold really close together and make sure everything's okay. So there is, actually, there is a, there's an analogous war happening right now, right? And which is like an analogy, like there's a metaphorical war happening right now. If like for me, like it's like no, no, I get that, but uh -huh. I'm talking like in actual physical warfare. Okay. <laughs> so I, you're saying like, more people would be dealing. I actually, yeah, I actually kind of, I actually kind of agree with you. The way I've seen it is that we're so spoiled and mm -hmm. so. Uh, yeah, it's bored, and we have mm -hmm. so much time. We don't have to worry about stuff. We're creating these problems. Yeah, our kids, problems. Yeah, kids will practically figure I mean, themselves. I mean, kids, like, right? for, you know, my, it's like, what do you mean you don't know what gender you are? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's what gender you are. No, I'm not saying, like, I'm just going to come out and say this, is that I'm not saying that it's a... Like uh, you're wrong if you're a, if you're a male and you decide to dress and pretend to be a female, but you're still a male, or you're still a female if you're doing those things. But where did, that's why I'm I'm confused. Where did this come from? This was never a thing. You're either heterosexual, you're either gay, you're either whatever, and it's okay. But don't say you don't know what gender you are. You do. Just look. That's how you look. You look that's at a boy. That's the theological view, right? And that's well, yeah. That's my view. That's the physiological view. You look. I think it's just. I think it's the media and the the popularization popularization of things. It's trending. Well, we're yeah, it's trending. It's yeah. a fad. What's the fad? point of this conversation? Yeah, okay. I'm just curious. Well, we're talking about sex. Yeah. You know, but what's our goal? I mean, is it to actually like let's let's accomplish something positive here rather than just convince well, about why things are the way they are? You know what I'm saying? Your view is perfectly valid. A lot yeah. of people share that view. So, so an answer that I think we're just bored. I think when it comes down to things, are just easy, and we're just bored. I mean, you look at it as a war. Yeah, we don't worry about anything, really. I mean, yeah. we worry about stuff. I worry about stuff every day about my parents and Medicare and Medicaid. We are pretty good in America. Yeah, we do. We really do. And we want to look at what works. So a lot of people that I guess don't have the guiding and the protecting and the creating that you really can't have a healthy sex life because the statistics today, I, I mean, I forget, but it's like 70 to 90% of people are dealing with infidelity, pornography, unset. they're not having sex, like married people are having less sex than unmarried people. I mean, there's just, you know, everybody, probably, I would go to say everybody that you meet has some complaint around sex. Mm -hmm. And we're not being taught properly when we're growing up. We're not being protected to guard our space. We're not having proper marriage counseling. That's my view of like, you know, what about when you first start having sex, you know, how to actually create that powerfully so that it's my self-expression, my healthiness, like my boundaries, like me exploring just what works with me and another person instead of trying to perform Right. Trying to look a certain way, and you know, when the results don't happen the way you think that it's successful, right? And, like, and what then? And there's like practical things you can do to like increase the level of intimacy, but like, there's actually really practical things, and that's right. which you know we've taken on, and it's been incredible. Mm -hmm. So, big difference. So, if there is something missing, or there's sexual trauma and abuse, or whatever, like. 
I think the message I would want to share with the audience is that it is possible to have a healthy, fulfilling, totally satisfying sex life, and you just keep growing. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a dynamic conversation. It's not one that you arrive at. It's one you have to manage, just like our health or anything else. Right. Um, so, anyway, I'd love to hear There's not an app. Thoughts on that. There's not an app. Should I know? So what I mean, really, I mean, you can... I'm like, yeah. I was thinking there probably is. I just really want to... There probably is an app. I haven't looked. Let's make one. Yeah, you guys just said, like, you put stuff in to create intimacy. Yeah. And it's been amazing. So, like, what? Well, you take pornography out of the space. Uh, you spend more time with each other. Um, you do things that you're both committed to. Um, you explore with each other, and you keep everything else outside of the space. Cool. You actually treat it like, like for us, it's a conversation of purity. Mm-hmm. Like, that's our space. and Not purity boring. No, not purity, purity boring. Purity like, like what is going to allow both of us to have the most out of the experience well like look at the expression of a soulmate like what does that mean like and we you know we've done studies on that and like that means something and that's something that we're taught as children to seek out or you know and when it comes to intimacy like there's a lot of meaning in that and for me what that means is that when I am with my lover, I am isolated and there's nothing else in the universe at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And our, in our experience, there is nothing else. So, you know, removing pornography um, and anything else from the space just makes that more of a reality and it's much more practical. And that's, there's actually effects. Mm-hmm. There's so- results to, to like prove it. And, and co- it, Kosher Sex was a great book that we read. Um, I think it's Shmuley Boteach. I'm not sure, but he's a rabbi. And non-judgmental, um, but it, he factors in the physiology of men and the physiology of women. It's a very practical book that has practical guidelines, and that really increased um, our level of intimacy. And we've done lots of other searches. Like, I don't feel like we've arrived by any means at where we're going or where we want to be with right. sexual intimacy and but we have the tools that the next time something comes up or we're like oh this is missing now or oh hey we see that like we actually can address it and try new things practically or emotionally so there's no arrival to do yeah yeah which i mean that's i mean when it comes to like practicality and measurable results i just want to point out for the audience that that in coaching that's what we do with it like everything that we coach ends up in some type of measurable manifestation it's not like all conceptual and just feel good stuff Mm. like i'm doing x and i'm producing the results directly from that and it's the same thing in all of the conversations whether it's intimacy or business or relationships there's like real things that actually shift right like how often did we have sex what were the results like you know um how often did we fight like are we both experiencing um, emotional intimacy was there visualization or distractions involved you know what I mean like it does show up in practical ways that we can measure our effectiveness yeah and that if now's a good time for me to segue um because yeah, part of this is talking about the problems that couples have um and I want to talk about the physiology of some of this because it gives us an understanding and an awareness of um I guess a more practical understanding in awareness. We know what's going on in the body. So, um, you know, we too believe that like sex can actually be the highest form of worship to God. It's a very divine experience where you can ascend from, you know, a spiritual mindset. So we do revere it as holy um, and good. And you actually do have to protect it and elevate it because it is an animalistic thing that we do. And you want to make sure that you elevate that to be holy, to be pure, to work, you know, the way that we're designed. So we also come from a standpoint of natural law. Like there's a, a law or a way, you know, cause and effect. Like so there's a way by design that just works best. And we try to align ourselves with that. So physiologically, um, you know, oxytocin and a lot of endorphins and dopamine are released when um, they're bonding hormones um, when you have sexual activity. So if we look at by design, 
Um, not a lot of people are going to like this, but um, especially for a man, um, his first sexual experience or partner, um, I think it's about 90% um, of the dopamine is released, like a rush of like 90% of his brain's full capacity for dopamine is released um, from his first partner. And what that does is it burns like like a brand, oh, wow. like a, a burning in a new ridge in his brain um, that is just for that partner. Wow. And the second sexual encounter, it's only 50%. And after that, it's 10 to 20% every time. So um, it's a very hot chemical that literally imprints that partner in the brain um, so that he can, his, that part of his brain is activated when he's 80 years old and his you know, partners all sagging and funny, you know, he still experiences her as though it's the first time and she's young and youthful. So by design, I also believe that we are designed for one partner because there's only one 90% and one 50% and everything after that is pretty much 10, 20% um, of the bonding. So a lot of us have had multiple partners or will, you know, in your next marriage, you're going to have a multiple partner. And there's going to be, unfortunately, you bond less and less and less and less the more partners that you have, because you just don't have the same chemical experience in your body. Um, so we've actually had to heal. There was a, a definite lack of bonding um, when we first got married and were having sex because um, we, I was married before. And so I had another partner and he had other partners and we had to actually focus on taking the other stuff out of the space and focusing on bonding. So how to heal bonding, you know, there are things that help you bond, like skin-to-skin -skin contact, um, snuggling after sex. Okay, girls, go pee because you don't want to get a UTI. But come back and snuggle, seriously, because that's when you're, the, the oxytocin is released in your body and you can actually start having a bonding experience. So, you know, it's very much glue to any relationship because of the hormone, the actual physiological bonding that happens spiritually. I think your soul is right for like knit back together, but there's a physical reaction to that. So, pardon yeah, can I interrupt? Uh huh. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, there's a few questions I have, like, mm -hmm. and I'm sure people will have it when they watch it or if they're watching now. Uh, how do you heal it? Because I've had multiple partners, mm -hmm. and from my experience, I've seen where I've been really connected. And but there's also times like time passes. I've had multiple partners, and then sure. I meet someone, and I'm really connected. Sure. So how does that work in your uh, sure. sorry in your description? Right, why you're more connected to some people than others. Yeah, even though there's been multiple partners. I think and, and, and how do you heal it? Too? Right, so I think um, I think that's a matter of intimacy, which you, we could probably look at that as in like a realm of communication mm -hmm. and how much you share and how open you are with each other, personality types, love languages. I mean, that would kind of be more of a, healing it? a mental thing. No, why you would maybe be attracted to more people. Or you feel more connected, more connected oh, okay. to some people than okay. others. Because I experience that all the time, right? You just, you meet people. What? Not sexually, <laughs> gosh. Um, but you meet people and you automatically feel instant connection or aligned commitments or like people understand you, you know, like they listen better or something um but as far as healing the chemical bond i really think it takes time and it takes um um gosh what's the word i'm thinking of Effort. well it's like fidelity it's like purity like keeping the faith pure so mm -hmm. for example we got together and you know when we start looking at the impacts of porn and masturbation and the other stuff that comes in the space so i am answering your question but in a roundabout way um you know pornography is actually an addiction it's very addictive and it works with dopamine and the dopamine increases to just total crazy levels in the brain so you think about what you're bonding with you're bonding with images you're bonding with yourself right there's no actual like openness to be able to bond with another person so pornography and images and even visualization if you're not present with another person that literally teaches our brains um, to get stimulated, aroused, and experience pleasure only from images. It's a completely separate pathway in the brain than physical, physical touch, 
physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, connection with another human being. So they've done, you know, scans on the body where with the visualization and the images, um, it activates the parts of the brain that are for objects. So mm-hmm. it objectifies human beings. And a lot of girls watch pornography. We're not just hammering on men. And um, not as much. Not I as don't much. know statistics, but um, not I'm, as much. Okay. So I have a supplement called WOW. It's a sexual supplement. So I haven't done research. And it's not as much. It's there. And it, it's rising. Sure. And, uh, but not as much. Sure. I mean, and there's a common, like, conversation about men, women, whatnot. But sure. So it actually activates the the parts of your brain for objects, not for human interaction. So a lot of guys, you know, the complaint women have is like they just objectify. They're just looking, you know, I'm just a piece of ass, you know, use the language. But that's that's a complaint. I want you to know me. I want you to love me and who I am, you know, and, and, and all of it, not just like my body. But unfortunately, you have to really guard and um, it's like you have to work out the part of your brain that's available for human connection and human arousal and emotional arousal rather than just objects. So, um, you know, healing all of that means that you would save your bonding um, for your spouse or for your partner. You would, you know, um, you know, even masturbation actually makes a difference with those bonding hormones and you forget you actually train your drive to be just for release like animalistic release rather than I'm having a desire for my partner and let me learn to foster that so so it's like eliminating all of the competition so that you keep the like the sacred or intimate space pure yeah but that's way to heal it Physiologically, you're you're saving your bonding hormones for your partner. But is it worth it? Yes. The reason why is because, and you don't think it. You don't actually realize the impact until you take the stuff out of the space and you actually start healing physical intimacy because the physical sensations get way better. The actual experience. Well, Thanks. you should say something about this. Like, it's not just no, me. No, no, like, like, this is, is, yeah. is this, real stuff. Like, if you want mind-blowing <laughs> orgasms where you just leave your brain, you know, and you're like just ecstasy, you can't get that if you if your brain is only wired for imagery, because even along the healing process, what we experience is, okay, then you take all that stuff out of the space. You know, I'm not going to masturbate. I'm not going to, you know, use sex toys. I'm not going to look at porn. Like it's just you and me. Where does the brain go? Imagery. I mean, it's like, it actually takes time to heal and regrow the so even with your partner you're not using visualization you're like actually just being present with your yep. partner well you're using so you're taking yep. your internal visualization and putting it out of the space yep and you're saying that takes time yep wow it really does because you have to rewire your entire brain wow. so that's so when i talk to people about uh, sex people share stuff with me because uh-huh. of the supplement wow and uh sometimes they're having the men uh, which are usually more open with me because I'm a man. Sure. Um, we'll talk about how they're having a hard time getting an erection. Yeah. And that's what my product helps them with. But sometimes they still have a hard time. Or I'm not just trying to sell them a bottle or capsules. Um, so I ask them if they masturbate, and they usually say yes. And yep. I say stop. Yep. Stop just because you're like you're using it. Not using it up, but if you're desensitized and no, it's true. I'm segueing in a little bit, but we can yep. talk over. Um, you're desensitizing yourself, and you're looking at porn all the time, or whatever you're doing. When you're, it comes time to your partner, mm-hmm. you're going to have a harder time getting an erection because they're not doing the backflips you've been watching on the video, or yep. you've just seen it, you know, whatever time you've done it, you already did it. So you're tired or you don't feel like it or you're, yeah. you've used up your testosterone depending on where you're at, what you're aging. Yep. Um, the, the challenge I was going to ask you too is what do you do when you don't have a partner and you're 40? Uh, just, I don't, uh, energize, whatever, you're horny. What do you do then? It's like, it's easy to say, okay, just stop, just do this. But what if you're like... Use that energy to go get a partner. <sighs> 
Well, you, that's actually by design. It is. Mm, by design. If we actually that's were huge. not stealing, right, from our partner, stealing the sexual gift and the sexual energy from our partner, it would actually drive us to get into a healthy relationship and be committed. Mm -hmm. Because if we weren't self-sufficient, we would, you know, if I'm self-sufficient, we can be fighting all day long. I like my toy better than you anyway, you know what well, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But if, and if, if I'm his only outlet, you know, and that's the purity of the space, then that means that we're probably going to work through our fight. Or, you know, if we're, you're single, you're going to like go out there and make sure you can provide and, you know, spend energy working. Um, so there's ancient cultures that use that energy. They like, um, I think it was a, an old Japanese gentleman that told me that um, in their culture, they utilize that energy once a week and then they build up so that throughout the rest of the week, they can uh, use it for creativity. Yeah, and then in like... Uh, so, I mean, so what I'm saying is, is that like, it's um, part of our uh, instant stimulus, what is that called? Instant, instant, gratif gratification. instant gratification culture. It's really easy to just go get the gratification you need. But if you consider that that self-restraint is an investment in energy and creativity, um, you could put it, I mean, if you consider that you don't have a partner and you're using the investment every day that it would take to go get a partner, you're not saving up. Um, so use your investment and the energy that it's building up internally to actually primalistically go get what you're after. And it's palpable. Like we do release pheromones and like scents and things, you know, I'm serious. <laughs> true. So if you're true. depleted, right. Or if you're exuding, you know, <laughs> yeah, one, one other thing, uh, they talk about thinking grow rich. I started searching. Like, what is that book? I've read it three times. I think there's a chapter dedicated to Harnessing your sexual energy and using it, just mm -hmm. like you're saying, and yeah. using it for and what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And the um, cultures say you can actually it, reabsorb that energy. Like, you can affect it. A lot of people are like, well, it's not healthy to just, like, get backed up or whatever, you know. It's actually not true. You really can harness that energy.
where you actually like, and some people don't even touch. I would recommend that so that you really get resensitized again. When you're, when, when you're on your period, mm-hmm. not you. I know. But you <laughs> think, what, are, you telling, are you telling the women to abstain for one to two weeks? Both partners. You abstain from sex during your period. Um, and some people do it up to two weeks, um, especially if you have fertility issues. That would be awesome. Um, and that was actually what the ancient biblical cultures would do. And it's, it's brilliant because if you're just having sex all the time, even with each other, again, you get desensitized or bored. But um, some people don't even touch during that time. You really get a focus on the connection, on communication mm-hmm. without the emotional. Yeah, the emotional intimacy without just the physical stuff. And it basically allows you guys to have a honeymoon every month um, to kind of revamp you know, and long for each other, create a longing. So um, there's also, you know, there's a lot of other tips if you look at, okay, um, maybe I'll post, I'll post some links Great. Um, where there's a guide, exercises you guys can do to not visualize, to, you Brilliant. know, to restore uh, intimacy. Exactly. You got four minutes, Adam. Yeah, I know, but Sorry. so a lot of the stuff that you're saying, <laughs> no, some of the stuff I did, well, the experiences I've had with uh, listening to clients talk about uh, sexuality is that um, that's a hard subject to actually talk about. Mm. It's a lot easier to be in the conversation. Yeah. But uh, is you know desensitizing. If you're watching porn, stop. Now I don't know what you do to when you have that drive. And see, this is what I've seen, and I, I want you to chime in a, a bit too. Yeah. But let me. Let me have the, the base of it. Is that um, guys get horny and they want to have sex? I just have to say it like regular. Regular. I have a lot of guy friends. I have a lot of clients. They want to have sex. They want to have sex, sex, sex. If they're not having sex. They look at porn. Mm-hmm. If their if their wife or partner isn't for the isn't having sex with them mm-hmm. for a week or two weeks. To most men, that would be like, what? A week or two weeks? Why? Um, so that's why they go to porn. Mm-hmm. That's why they go and look and do other things. I've also seen this, and I, I don't know what the answer to that is. When, when men will get horny, uh, they will go out, they'll meet someone, like you're saying. They have that sexual energy and artist. They'll sleep with them. They're done. Mm-hmm. They go find someone else. They just go find someone to have sex. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen quite what the balance is for that. What I do is I make sure as much as I, I, I can or as I have over the past recent years is be specific about who I'm going to sleep with and focus on them and not, um, you get not go and sleep around. You get permission first, right? No, <laughs> of course. You, you. Well, what's your name? It doesn't matter. Come here. Just come here. No. Yeah, of course. You told me to um, do myself. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, just so I know it's, it's, uh, you're going to give me crap that it's coming, then I can handle it. But um, the, uh, you know, men will run around just sleeping around. Whenever they can, they can have sex, they will have sex. They'll, the, if their wife, isn't okay in their point of view isn't attractive enough or something's happening in that and they can't be workable because you guys are like amazing right the way you're talking about it and sharing 99 yes but 99 percent of the people will never get to what you're, you're talking about um and that's what i've seen with coaching or health it's easy to say be like gandhi but you actually have to go and be like gandhi and I'm not saying be like Gandhi. I'm saying I'll be like Martin Luther King. That's a great example, but to actually live it is a, such a whole other story. I try to be like a, an ambassador to my guy friends and say, dude, don't do that to her. Don't do this. Why are you? Why are you going to cheat on her? You know, I've cut people out of my life, but it's it's a rarity is what I've seen. Sure. Well, I it's well, like, they don't get the extremely impact. rare. Well, right. they may not even know it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like, all I hear is the imagery breaks. Like, yeah. All that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was my whole experience. Yeah, when like, you don't know what's possible, 
then you don't know what is worth putting your effort mm-hmm. towards. Yep. So like, well, it's, it's, it's like sure. what you're talking about is going to take time, effort. Ah, I just want to get laid. Yeah, sure. and you can. You know, but the just, impact. Ah, or let's just get a divorce. Sure. Or you know, I'm, I'm simplifying exactly. it, right? All or we just don't get along, right? All those the, are possibilities. The, the three things I've seen, the top two, I'm going to add one that since we started talking, is top reasons why people break up, and that could be divorce and sex, money, and I'd say, uh, you, I think you guys are referring to as intimacy, but how I do things, how you do things, and let's figure out how it works mm-hmm. for us, us as a unit. Because he's thought you mentioned earlier, uh, he's I think you're messier than she is. You kind of hinted at like, oh, yeah, I recreated you. you one one, thing. one you wants a physical it? space and one wants a spiritual space. Yeah, yeah, and so like, how do you do that? Why doesn't he take the garbage out so often? All those little things I've seen will block people from intimacy, and I always say, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. It's not even what's important. Yeah, like, yeah, she leaves dishes. My my ex-girlfriend uh, that lived here, she used to pile up the dishes. And so at one point I realized I do the dishes. Because otherwise without, she'll pile it up and me complaining or getting mad about it keeps us away from love and me. intimacy is extremely rare instantly. It takes work. Like in the book Kosher Sex, it, it says that if you expect go into a relationship and you expect there to be love, you are it's like pie in the sky. Love takes work. Mm-hmm. It's a constant choice. Intimacy takes work. Mm-hmm. And like you know, we've had our squabbles about the house being messy or the spirituality being messy. And it it's something that takes practice. We are only born to love and be intimate with our parents. Everybody else takes work. Mm. <laughs> we naturally love our parents. Which right out of the gate. And it's oxytocin easy. from birth. It's bonding. Right. It's so, breastfeeding. <laughs> so to think that everything else is not going to take work, I think that's why it's so available. Why pornography is so available. Mm. Why the media is so available. It's because, well, I have it with my parents naturally, and I don't want to do the work. If you don't want to do the work, then you will get exactly yep. what, uh, what's available to you. And yeah. you're right. This is extraordinary. What's ordinary? Look at the statistics. Mm-hmm. 70 to 90 people are completely unsatisfied with their sex lives. Infidelity. Yeah. yeah, infidelity, porn, um, sexless marriages. I mean, divorce rate is over 50%. So it's like if you want to be ordinary, if you don't want to put the work in, that's fine. But statistically, that's what your life is going to be. But if you put the work in to be extraordinary, you can create an extraordinary sex life, a marriage that lasts, you know, which saves energy, time, money, you know, in the long run. I mean, it's just secure for the kids. This, I'm going to wrap it up because yep. we need to end it. I'm going to say something, uh, my last bit, and then close out the show because it's important to be kind of on time. Um, the last thing I want to say, if you guys want to contact us, please contact us, and we will uh, answer any questions you have. Uh, we also give free coaching, uh, different types, but free coaching. Just contact us, us. We'll set you up. Uh, the last thing I want to say is uh, that I was going to share is what I've heard from everything, what I've seen, is uh, having sex is a choice. Even if you're not in the mood, like uh, men, and women, if you're not in the mood and your partner wants to have sex, I say have sex with them. We did that. Yeah, I mean, just it's no big deal. Now, if your partner's being a dick, right? Because <laughs> I used to have this point of view, and I, I'm actually really getting it. It's taking me all this time that sometimes your spouse, if you're a female, or if you're male, but if you're a female, because I've had a, a point of view about women. I realize we're just all human and there's some variable things and that's why we, we gender, we become gender biased to, oh, women, oh, if she only put out, oh, whatever. Well, maybe if you stop being a dick, you'll have more sex or vice versa, whatever's going on there. But have sex, have fun, make love, and if something's not working, work it out. Mm-hmm. 
and accept how people are and work it out. Make it better. Create the mood. And Talk about what would create the mood. Exactly. And thank you guys for watching and listening to the Mastermind in Your Pocket we bring experts and we talk about what's important to you. Call in anytime, uh, Tuesdays at noon, and we will move to 1130 in a couple weeks, right? a couple weeks, at 713-955-0531. And you can find us under the Ultra Perform show in, uh, on Google. You can just Google Ultra Perform and boom, we'll be right there. So thank you guys for listening and watching. And one more thing. Oh, our next show next Tuesday at 12 o'clock is about uh, money. What was the topic exactly? Raising your income and staying empowered around money. Raising your income and staying empowered around money. Well, I'll be talking about um, how to increase your income if you're an employee and you have a, a ceiling how much you make. And if you're an entrepreneur, how to raise your sales and We'll be sharing our different viewpoints about how to do. And we're going to have a guest speaker, too. And we're going to have a guest speaker. And they are? David Martinson. David Martinson will be joining us. Thank you guys for watching and listening. See you later. Thank you. Don't be a dick. (laughs) Mind.